0: the sermon this morning is search me so we you were here last week and I may need to back up just a little bit so I can get everybody on the same page with what's kind of been happening um, here at the at disciple community at the source for the past couple of weeks um, so January 7th two weeks ago we started you, you'll need to share the desktop not the um, the browser window sorry um, January 7th we had our first uh, gathering here On a Sunday morning, and so for the source, um, ever since we started in December 2014, we've been a Sunday night gathering, and the Lord has um, done a lot in me and done a lot in our people and has moved us um, into this time slot, and uh, I don't think there's anything uh, special about the time that we meet or anything like that, but just the journey we've been through and the Lord bringing us to this place, allowing us to be here and uh, and meet. It's been a fantastic thing. And so, as I've kind of stepped back into a role of teaching and leading, there it is. Search me. Um, as I move back into this time, I've um, I've really been having to tune myself in with the Holy Spirit. Right? Like, day, hey, welcome to Right? And finding the. <laughs> finding the holy spirit's voice in this world of craziness right so sometimes the world gets so hectic that that's what it sounds like there's so many different things uh coming in and if you've ever watched like spider-man or superman or any of that and these superheroes are up crouched or, or perched uh, atop a building and then you hear what they hear and it's just all of the craziness of the world hitting them at one time and and you feel for them at that moment like how do they sort through that and I think that's kind of indicative of how our lives are. Sometimes we have to sort through a bunch of things. And uh, what what the Lord has done during this time is um, He's He's spoken to me in some really interesting ways, and certainly not in ways that I would um, not ways that I would choose. And He's given me things to speak on that I necessarily wouldn't choose. But when I approach Him and I say, "What do you want to say to your people?" He he shows me, he gives me things, he gives me scripture, he gives me phrases. And so last week when I prayed, Lord, um, what do you want to say to your people? Um, he said, see me, right? Essentially the father wants us to see him. And so we looked at the scripture in Matthew 5 that says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And we talked all about how um, the father wants us to see him, but what happens is, is we get mixed in our heart and we get mixed in our mind. We get mixed in our spirit, which means we allow other things to come in so that it sounds like that changing the old radio station or it sounds like Spider-Man on a building in New York City looking down and hearing all the craziness. And there's mixture, but when we can tune that out, when we can give the Lord the things that are distracting and bother us and make us busy and pull us away from his will and his ways, as we begin to allow him to do that work in us, things to begin to get clearer and clearer, right? And so we talked about desiring the kingdom of God and that if we desire the kingdom, well, then we will then allow ourselves to undergo this purification process which the big word for that is sanctification. But we submit ourselves to the Father's working in our life so that He can weed out all of that junk and, and present us. Scripture tells us that He will then present us as a pure and radiant church. And so there's a work that He's doing. So Scripture says He will do this. He will present His bride pure and radiant but we talked about last week and we'll talk more about it this week that we put ourselves in a position to allow him to do that work in us. We come into agreement with it. We say, yes, yes, Lord, do this. Yes, amen. Oh, Lord, yes, weed out the crap. Oh, and I, you know, I can confess all my sins here today and we're gonna look at some really interesting things. And so, um, so as I was praying and I was saying, okay, Lord, what do we need to be focusing on this Sunday? It was interesting. Rather than hearing a phrase that he would say to us, I heard a phrase that he, we would say to him. How about that? It was so good. And I'll tell you what. I'm like, are you, are you fickle? You know yourself more than you know anybody knows you, right? And the Father knows you more than you know yourself. But I'm so fickle. Like in in one instance, I trust and in the next, I don't trust, you know, and and part of moving back into this role of teaching and leading, um, my greatest fear was um, depending on myself to have a sermon and my greatest fear was um, getting into scripture so that the purpose of me reading is so that I know what I'm going to preach on rather than allowing the Lord to do his work in me, submitting myself to scripture and reading and meditation and prayer and relationship with the Father. And out of that would flow this, right? And so this week I slipped back into, what am I gonna teach on? What am I gonna teach on? What am I gonna teach on? And it's so amazing that when I finally calm down, take a deep breath, right? Whew, I tell you, there's... Something about that breathing. Sarah, she can tell you a little bit about it as well. Taking that breath and just slowing down and saying, okay, God, and getting focused and tuning in and dialing in. And so what I believe is thats that is that, uh, that is what the Lord wants for us, is for us to see him. And what we should want for him is to see us. And so to see us is to look deep. In the dark crevices of our soul, our heart, our mind, our will, our intentions. And and to say, Lord, look there and find the things that are impure. And we'll we'll see a psalm here in just a moment. But I want to look real quick at just a couple different verses to kind of pave, to lay a foundation and pave the way for where this is going this morning. And so uh, 1 John chapter 3 verse 3. It says and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And so this scripture is talking about when we see Christ we'll be like him because we will see him as he is. And so we have this hope that we will become like Christ. And it says if we have this hope in him, well then we will purify ourselves just as he is pure. And so I got to thinking about that because I think I quoted this verse last week, but I didn't really spend a lot of time looking at his kind of purity, right? What is Christ's purity? The purity that he is, what is that? And then how do we attain that? Because I can tell you, if we could on our own have attained the kind of purity that Christ is, then he would have never needed to come in the first place, right? While you were still powerless, while you were still sinners, Christ died for you, for the ungodly, right? And so what kind of pure is he? Well, one, he had no sin. And so right then and there, that puts a wide gap between where I'm at and where Christ is at. Sinless, sinful, right? And, and, and we, can, we can talk more about identity, how in Christ I am, a new creation, right? I'm no longer under my sin. But scripture tells us that we will continue to purify ourselves. So I've been saved, I am saved, and I am being saved, right? I know that's kind of hard to grasp, but scripture tells us work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So we are saved. There is a way that things are, but then we continue in our walk with the Lord and we continue working things out, right? He continues to to, to get things and bring them into alignment. And so it's, it's interesting because it's like Jesus said he's going to do a complete work in you. You will be brought into completion. The work that he started in you will be brought into completion. So Christ having spoken that, it already is, although currently it isn't, if that makes sense. Because right here, right now, I look and I, I hear my thoughts and, and I know my sin. I'm like, I still have sin. But then I have hope and I say, but no, he's going to purify me and he's going to present me radiant. He's going to present me pure and he's going to present me holy. So that's going to happen. So I can have hope in that. But while I'm here, I submit myself to that process, right? So 1 Peter 2, tells us that he committed no sin And no deceit was found in his mouth. And so one, his kind of purity was no sin, right? And sin simply means missing the mark. It means here's perfection according to the law that was given by Moses, right? So this set of rules and regulations. And so God gave the law, not that it would help us attain righteousness, but that it would show us how unrighteous we really are. I can't live up to that. How many of you guys have ever had anybody set a standard for you that you knew you could never meet, right? But what does that do to you? It's not meant to, it's not meant to um, like bring death, so to speak, although it is meant to bring death, right? It's this great paradox. But, so there's this standard that you can't meet. And so you have to then come to the end of yourself and then say, I need somebody to meet it for me or to help me meet it because I can't do it on my own, right? So the law was given, um, not that it would help us attain righteousness, but show us that we weren't righteous. And so Jesus came, he committed no sin, which means he lived up to all of those standards and then some, because he gave new commandments, right? He says, here's the commandments, I'm gonna live up to those and I give you a new commandment, which he himself also modeled for us while he was here on earth. You guys with me? So... You guys, tracking with me, right? Um, No sin, no deceit was found in his mouth, right? And so he didn't speak lies. He wasn't trying to win win anybody over in in an evil kind of way. He wasn't trying to manipulate people. He wasn't trying to brainwash people. There was no deceit, right? And then one more. So there was no sin, no deceit, and he was fully devoted to the to the will of the Father. Go to this next scripture. Matthew twenty six thirty nine tells us, Going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed. This is Jesus. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. And so, just real quick, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, right? Um, he's there. He's with his disciples. He tells them to, to pray so that they don't fall into temptation, except they fall asleep. How many of you have ever fallen asleep praying? I've done this. I get it. So he's there and he's in agony because he's about to sacrifice himself on a cross, right? I mean, this isn't some like, oh, yeah, I'm going to give myself kind of thing. Like if we ever read together the description of what they did to him, that was brutal. And he knew that he was moving into that. And he has this moment where he says, Father, if it's possible. But he's like, but nevertheless, your will be done. And so he was fully submitted and committed to the will of the Father. And how does that, how could he find himself in a place where he says, I'm going to do what you want me to do, even if it's going to kill me. And it's because of the love that he had and because of the love that the Father had for him and because of the trust. So there's love and trust there. And so he submits himself to the Father's will. And so I think one of the things that causes us to not fully submit ourselves to the Father's will is lack of trust. Right? We don't tr- fully trust him. We don't fully believe that he is who he says he is. We're fully believe that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And so there's a lack of trust there. So already we've missed the mark in many different ways. Jesus also in another place says, be perfect as I'm perfect. Another translation says, be holy as I'm holy. So he gives us this command, be holy as I'm holy. Be set apart. Be perfect. Be pure. We purify ourselves as he's pure, but we have this seemingly unattainable situation on our hands, right? And there's been times in my life where I've felt woefully inadequate to change myself. And what I have to realize is that one, I am woefully inadequate and woefully powerless to change myself. And so I am utterly and woefully incapable of purifying myself the way that he's pure. So it's okay, Jason. If scripture says we love him, we have this hope, so we're going to move into this purifying ourselves as he is pure, but you're saying I can't purify myself, yes. However, again, there is a work that the Father desires to do in you. And he gives us a way. And so we're going to read in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 16 through 26. It says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. There's our answer. Does that seem like an answer? I think that seems like an answer. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. So we have this flesh, this body, this soul, this mind, will, and emotions. We have a heart that's the seat of our intentions and our desires. And it's from the heart that the mouth speaks, right? And so Jesus said, it's not the outside of the cup that needs to be cleansed. It's the inside of the cup. Therefore, clean the inside of the cup. So we have this this sinful and let's just get everybody on the same page here would you agree that you all have sinful desires yes. i just want to make sure i'm dealing with people that are saying yes i'm in that boat yes. okay good <laughs> good because we have to realize that this struggle that goes on inside of us it can be won But again, when I say that you are woefully inadequate and utterly powerless to change yourself, this is a true statement. But if I made the statement, you are woefully inadequate and powerless to change yourself, except if you walk by the Spirit, then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh, right? That's a better statement. I'm woefully inadequate and powerless. However... However, right? Or, but God. This is one of our favorite phrases, right? But God. And, like, all through scripture, we see people facing seemingly impossible tasks and, quite literally, physically possible tasks. And they're up against a wall, or they're up against a Red Sea with an army behind them wanting to kill them, right? Or Joseph is stuck in prison, right? He's been. He's been rejected all his life by his family and then he goes to jail and then, and then he's, he's uh, manipulated in jail and, and all sorts of stuff. But God, he still makes a way so that Joseph rises to the top, right? And then he saves a nation from famine. And this is essentially what the Father does for us. We're up against this great task of changing, right? And again... Like, I've heard people say, oh, you're great the way you are, you're beautiful, you're enough. I would say, yes, absolutely, all of those things, right? We're fearfully and wonderfully made. The, the Lord knit us together in our mother's womb. He loves us how we are, just where we're at. He, While we were sinners, he died for us. This is love. Like, all of those things are yes and amen and true. But if we're honest with ourselves, we could write out a list of things that I would say, if the... God, if you could change these, like, right now or change them tomorrow, yes, do that. And we could all write out that list, right? And so it says, for the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, or these are at war with each other, so that you don't do what you want to do. How many of you experienced that before? Right? So many times I've like made the statement, I'm going to change or I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm, all these different things. And it's like not very far down the road that I fall flat on my face. And here I am being the person that I promised I was never going to be and saying the things I said I would never say to my wife or treating Henry in a way that I said I would never treat him or being a father to my daughter that I said I would never be. Right? Oh, I can't be that person. I'm not going to be my dad. I'm not going to be my mom. I'm not going to be that guy. You know, think of the worst person you can think of. I'm never going to be him. And then lo and behold, that moment of irony when you realize I am am that guy, right? I'll never be that guy. Don't be that guy. I'm that guy. (laughs) It happens, right? It happens. We do the things we don't want to do. But then scripture gives us another glimpse of hope here in uh, verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are this. And this is what's interesting to me. This week as I was in my studies, I was reading through Galatians. I don't know what took me there. I was just in Galatians. I'm like all over Scripture sometimes. And I'm reading. And last week, or maybe the week before, I said something along the lines of, Well, you, you guys know your own heart. You know the things you're struggling with. I don't need to sit here and list out all the things that are sin. And then I get to scripture and then we, I find a list of all the things that are the works of the flesh. And I say, well, at some point in time, somebody thought it beneficial to list out all the things that we struggle with and that are an issue. And that helps us. It helps us because it shows us. It says, you struggling with this? Are you struggling with this? Maybe this is the issue? Is this the issue? And a lot of these things, a lot of these things don't apply to some people but then there are just these other little things that you read. You're like, oh, he got me. Like, I thought I was, I I was going to escape the list, right? I thought I was good. Jesus says one point, at one point in time in Revelation, he says, like, you think you're okay except you're poor, pitiable, and blind. And then he says, come to me. I stand at the door and I knock. And then he invites us in to dine with him. It's a beautiful thing. He says, I see you where you are. There's an issue, but I'm knocking and I want to come in. And I want to handle those things, right? It's a beautiful thing. So let's look at this list real quick. It says, now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity. There's that word, impurity, right? It means mixture. It's mixed. Promiscuity, idolatry, and that can be all sorts of things. Sorcery, Right? I used to read through this list, and I'm like, I'm not Gandalf. I'm good, right? <laughs> I'm not a sorcerer. Although he was the white, you know, whatever. It was good. It was a good witch. Um, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, which I don't know where those come from, but I've been plagued lately. I really have. I don't understand I used to be a pretty, I would think, docile kind of guy, calm, just, you know, whatever, easy going. And something along the way changed to where I, I started going from zero to 60 in a matter of seconds. Like certain things offended me on a higher level in a shorter amount of time than other things or than the way that they had in the past. And I've noticed that myself lately. I was reading through this list. I'm like, outburst of anger. I, w- I used to read right over that. Not me, not me, not me, not me, not me, right? Oh, envy, yeah, sometimes, right? And there was a moment in my life where it was like, so outburst of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness was like a big thing for me at one point in time, carousing or carousing and anything similar. So he gives this list. He says, these are pretty pointed but then anything that's kind of like these things also. And so he leaves he leaves a gray area that you might fall into, even if you didn't feel like you fell into that list. But here's the thing. Again, here not to judge, right? I'm not saying, oh, hey, here's a list. Now, everybody, yeah, we're all sinners. You know, we're there. Like, that's not what the purpose of this is. The purpose of this is to allow the the written word, the scripture. In the in the Bible, right, the Scripture to do its job. Scripture tells us in I think it's uh, first it's either First Timothy three sixteen or Second Timothy three sixteen, for uh, all of Scripture is God breathed, and is useful. Scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so when we come to a a text like this and we see all of these things that could essentially heap guilt and shame upon us, we know that the intention of the scripture, the intention of the writer and the intention of the Holy Spirit through the writer and the intention of the Father through the Holy Spirit through the writer to the reader is not that we come under this guilt and shame wave. But it's that we bring ourselves up against this and we say, okay, Father, show me. Search me, right? Because there are things in us that we don't know are in us. And one of the easiest things to, for people to fall into that they don't know they've fallen into is pride. <laughs> How many people do you know that are, you know, they're prideful, yet you can't tell them they're prideful because they don't think they're prideful. And then they get prideful about it, <laughs> right? And so we see this list. And, 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 and I don't know where you fall, but you might fall somewhere. And so when I read this, it's a, good, it's a good indicator of where I'm at and what I should allow the Lord to be doing in me in that season. I should say, okay, so Jesus... He didn't live out the works of the flesh. He was completely sinless, right? He was perfect. And so these things, he was impervious to these things because of his, 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 who he was, right? And so it says, I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before. So this is a warning, but let me tell you, warnings can be good things sometimes. Hey, don't run into the street. There's a semi coming. Oh, leave me alone. I can do what I want and walk where I want. So some people are, Right. Paul's warning them and saying, look, I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so what did we talk about week one? We talked about repent for the kingdom of God has come near. This is Jesus' message. Jesus comes with a message of repentance. He's saying, change your mind about this. Essentially is what he's saying, right? Metanoia. Changed after having been with thinking. Thinking. I'm going to spend some time with thinking. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to pray. I've considered. I've changed my mind. Now I'm here. It's metanoia. It's repentance. It's a changing, right? And so he says, repent of your sins, right? Change the way you think. Change the way you view God. Change the way you view the kingdom because the kingdom's here. Change the way you view your life. And then we allow that to work through all of us. And so scripture tells us, if we want the kingdom of God, We won't inherit it if we practice such things. So let me tell you that there are times where we fall. There are times where, you know, an outburst of anger, oh man, that sucked, right? But being in a place where you're presenting that to the Father and allowing Him to purify that out of you, to cleanse that out of you, to refine you into His likeness is very different than me having outbursts of anger and then having outbursts of anger, and then having outbursts of anger, and then not caring, not caring who I hurt, not caring who I run over, right? There was a time in my life where, and I'll just tell you, I was sexually immoral, I was morally impure, I was promiscuous, I, uh, I had idols, I had hatred, hatred, strife, jealousy, I was never a sorcerer again, right? Outbursts of anger, selfish, ambition, dissension, all of this, drunkenness, carus- I mean all of it. I was like 95% of the list, right? And I knew it was wrong, but I continued to practice such things so much so that I would plan these things, right? Oh, we're gonna go to the lake this weekend. You know what's gonna happen there. We're gonna rent a cabin. I'm gonna call so-and-so. Practicing versus, ah, I did it. I said I wouldn't do it. Okay, Father, here I come. And so here's the good news about all this. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit. So remember, again, can we combat, can we battle all of the works of the flesh on our own without the Spirit? No. But he tells us the answer is that if we walk with the Spirit, if we live by the Spirit, and notice that's like big S, Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. God at work in our lives, then we won't, we won't be overcome by these desires. The fruit of the Spirit's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when I read that list, I would, I would think that most of that stuff is an issue because of lack of self-control. And I used to chalk all of my issues up to my lack of self-control. And so, Scripture then tells us that the Spirit of God is what we need. How did you know I needed water? Thank you so much. I was preaching through the itch. I just thought, "Mm, it's got to go away. But the fruit of the Spirit. So if we walk by the Spirit, if we allow the Spirit to do its work within us, if we submit, and let me tell you, there's a submission and there's a work that happens and something I've been convicted of um, or just over the past week is that I know that if I, if I don't spend time getting my mind focused on the Father, if I don't spend my time in prayer and conversation, <clears throat> if I'm not reminding myself of who I am in Christ and the power that's in me to overcome sin, if I'm not reminding myself and and like looking at my day early in the morning and saying, okay, God, I'm going to go to work and I'm going to sit in front of this computer and I'm probably going to get really bored, but your scripture tells me that I need to work as though I'm working unto the Lord. If I don't set my heart and my mind to do that and then allow the Spirit throughout the day to remind me, hey, remember, you're going to work to the Lord today. And this is what the Spirit does. If I don't submit myself to that on a daily basis... If I don't get to a place to where I start like that, it's very hard to reroute throughout the day because I get so busy. And there are times where I have to stop and take a walk or, you know, I have to refocus. But I have to get in step with the Spirit is what Scripture will tell us. We'll get in step with the Spirit. So when that happens, the fruit that happens from doing that are all of these things that are enough and more than enough to allow us to not desire the other things right? If we had joy, if we had peace and patience and love and self-control, we wouldn't need to fall into idolatry or promiscuity or into carousing or carousing, right? We wouldn't need to fall into those things. If we had patience, we wouldn't have outbursts of anger, right? If we had love, we wouldn't allow dissension or faction. If we had these things, those things would would not be able to live with inside of us, right? So it says, the law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And so, the how is live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh and if we live on the, live by the spirit we'll then see the outworking of the purification process in us but what we have to do is we have to submit ourselves to that process and submit ourselves to God and so the how is live by the spirit but then how right Jason you're telling me live by the spirit how do I do that right how do I do that That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Here's what I would say I would say, one, it starts with having a heart that is open to allow the Father to intervene in these places where there exist these sins and these desires that are not according to the Spirit but according to the flesh. Right? Where I know I have desires to do certain things. Right? I have these desires, I have these inclinations that live within me on a daily basis, I know where I'm probably going to have an outburst of anger. I know what's going to set me off. I know which website is going to cause me to spiral into lust. I know what conversations are going to lead me into impure thoughts and communications. I'm highly aware of those triggers in my life. And so what I have to do continually is submit myself to, on a daily basis. And I just want to put this out there and then we're going to read a couple more scriptures. And then um, I'm actually going to ask Jonathan to come back up and I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer um, to allow us to present ourselves to the Father and say, okay, God, work this out in me. I know it seems very similar to what we did last week and maybe similar to what we did the first week. But let me tell you, it is a continual process in our lives. It is a daily process. Jesus says, you can't be my disciple unless you bear your cross daily. Paul says, for we are um, we're dying daily, but inwardly we're being renewed. So there's a continual daily renewal. In the temple, so if you read like in Ezekiel chapter 47 and on, I believe that's where it's at, Ezekiel gets visions of the temple of God, So this is like Old Testament, Jewish, uh, traditional temple kind of things where they were doing daily sacrifices. Once a year they would have the Day of Atonement where the high priest, like the guy, the holiest, most knowledgeable, purest priest of all of the Jews on the Day of Atonement once a year would go into the temple. He would go through all the rituals and then he would go into the Holy of Holies where he would pour the blood over the Ark of the Covenant, which was symbolic of blood sacrifice covering the sins of Israel for that year. And so for that next year, the sins of Israel were atoned for. But it was interesting to me that although there was a Day of Atonement that, that essentially got rid of all the sins for all the Israelites for the year, that when you read in Ezekiel, you find that there were so many other sacrifices that had to be made on a daily basis and sometimes even multiple times a day. And so the priests were, they were doing work on behalf of Israel because all of the sacrifice was to cover the sins of the people. And to cover the sins of, of the Pharisees and, and the Sadducees and the priests who were doing this daily work. They were constantly making sacrifice to cover the sin multiple times a day on a daily basis. So let me tell you one, Christ Jesus is our sacrifice once for all. He has has died for our sin. So we know there's no longer judgment to death for the sin that's in our life, but it still means that we have to bring that sin to the Father to be cleansed. And so I would liken that to that daily priesthood. Scripture tells us we're a royal priesthood. In Revelation it tells us we're priests and ministers to God. And so what I would say is that daily coming to the Father and bringing the junk and bringing the stuff and continually coming under the blood sacrifice of Christ, continually coming under it. Because I can tell you, today we'll bring stuff to the Father. He will say, you're not guilty by the blood of the Lamb. And then tomorrow, something else might happen, right? So as we continue to keep in step with the spirit, we're not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. But if we come out of step with the, the spirit, well, then we will gratify the desires of the flesh. And that's where we continue to purify ourselves as he's pure. Does this all make sense? Do you kind of see this all weaving together now? Right. So let me read in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. It says, search me. Oh, God. Right. There's the title. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. And so you have a guy, King David, who's writing, writing this. And he's submitting himself to the Father. He's submitting every part of who he is. And he's saying, search me, God. Search my being. Search my soul my heart and my mind, right? Know my heart. Test my thoughts. He's submitting his person. He's submitting his heart. He's submitting his mind to the father. And he's saying, show me in me anything that offends you. He was putting himself under the teaching, the correcting, the rebuking, and the training of God, the father, who is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh, and that flesh made its dwelling among man. And so ultimately, Scripture is useful for doing these things in us, but we can also submit ourselves to the Father to show us. And so the Holy Spirit can show in us the things that are not of the Spirit. You're off here, you're off here, you're off here, right? So we can submit ourselves that way. Psalm eighty six eleven says, Teach me your way, Lord, and I will give, uh, and I will live by your truth. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. What do we talk about with purity, right? Purity is lack of mixture. But if there's mixture, it means there's a division between substances. And scripture tells us, um, we can pray, right, is the way David prayed. Search me, know my heart, test me, give me an undivided mind. In James, we saw last week where it says, um, cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. We have divided minds, right? So we can submit ourselves. And let me, let me end with this. Jonathan, let me have you come up. So Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, And this is where we get into what I've been calling functional ministry. How many of you guys have heard me use this phrase before? Some of you haven't. Let me tell you what functional ministry is. Functional ministry means, uh, functional means designed to accomplish a specific purpose or task. And ministry means service, literally as in like waiting tables. You're serving, right? And so functional ministry means that we're here to serve you humbly in love so that this time together accomplishes a purpose. Because what I could do is I could have stood up here all morning long and said, sin is bad, sin is bad, sin is bad, sin is bad. bad. Here's the works of the flesh. Do you fall in this category? Yes. And then we could all leave saying, I'm a drunkard, I'm a carouser, I'm promiscuous. I envy, I cause dissensions and factions. Dang, I suck. See you next week. Bring a friend. <laughs> right? And honestly and sadly, I feel like this is what a lot of ministers do. With good intentions, teach the word. Jesus said, teaching them to obey all I've commanded. And so this is my, my weak, <laughs> submitted self to the Father trying to lead you into a time of teaching you to obey that which has been commanded, to repent for the kingdom of God as at hand. Jesus saying, be pure as I'm pure, be holy as I'm holy, be perfect as I'm perfect. This is a commandment. Let's try and obey this and bring ourselves to a place of submission. You can start playing if you like. <clears throat> so Hebrews 4.14-16 through 16 says, Therefore, Since we have a great high priest, right? I talked about a high priest who once a year would go into the temple made by human hands and he would atone for or bring a sacrifice that was enough um, to pay for the sins of the people, right? But now we have a great high priest who is Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, right? Not a temple made by human hands, But to the throne of the Father as an advocate on behalf of his children, of those he loves, to those who believe in him, he gave the right to become children of God, right? So Jesus is an advocate in the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize, And another version says sympathize. So we get empathy and sympathy from Christ. He is not unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. And so when Jesus looks at us and he said, be pure, be holy as I'm holy, be perfect as I'm holy. But then he knows And we submit ourselves and say, search my heart, O God. Show me all of the impure ways and thoughts within me. And he shows me something. It's not that he sees it and then he says, oh, you terrible person. I can't believe you. What a disgusting thought. I can't can't believe that you would do that. I can't believe that you would think that. I can't believe that you would give in to promiscuity. I can't believe that you would spend all your time getting drunk. I can't believe that you would have outbursts of anger. Are you kidding me? This is not the God we serve. He is able to empathize and sympathize. He has sympathy for us, but he also has empathy. Empathy means he feels what we feel. And it says because he was tempted in every way that we have been tempted. And so Jesus knew the feeling of temptation. He knew the weight of the world. He knew the pull of sin that we undergo. And let me tell you, oftentimes when someone has empathy... It brings them to tears and it causes them to weep because of the pain and the struggle that people experience in their hearts. Empathy says, I get what you're going through. I feel it. Your pain is my pain. I'm weeping. Scripture says that we ought to weep with those who weep. Jesus wept when Lazarus died. He felt emotion. He felt all of the temptations. He knew what it was like to be tempted in all of the things that are the desires of the flesh, yet he was without sin. And so he has empathy in our weakness. And let me tell you something. Scripture tells us, Jesus spoke to Paul, for my power is made perfect, where? In pure holiness. No, my power is made perfect in weakness. Your weakness is is the perfect opportunity for me to intervene and move into that place in your life and bring my strength because if you live by and walk by the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh is weak, but the Spirit is willing and it's Jesus in us. And so when we come to the Father and we say, I'm weak, Lord, I give into these things, search me, show me, now what? He says, I'm gonna move in and I'm gonna do the work in you that you can do in yourself. And I'm gonna cause you to walk in my ways and I'm gonna give you a pure heart. And I'm gonna cause you to turn away from all of your idols. So then it says this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I would say based on what I know with their needing to be daily sacrifice on behalf of the people because of sin, there is always a time of need. I remember reading this one time and I said, okay, God, my time of need is every day. And I just felt like he just showed me this picture of a sea of grace. And I've said something along the lines before. But I approach the throne and I say, okay, God, I need your grace in this, in this time of need. And he reaches back with a little white solo cup into the ocean of grace and pulls out a cup and hands it to you. And then he says, do you think that grace is ever going to run dry? I don't think so. Can you imagine trying to empty an ocean with a 16 ounce cup? Give me a break. There's grace and grace abounding and grace overflowing And so we can approach the throne with confidence. Scripture says with boldness to receive mercy and grace in our time of need. Right? But let me tell you that I know there may be people here who have experienced this before and I've experienced it to where I didn't want to approach God. I didn't want to talk to God because I felt crappy about the things i had done. Oh God, I just can't talk to God right now. And so then I wallow in my mess. And then when I do go to the throne, I, you know, (laughs) this is silly, but there are times where we get home and our dog has eaten Kim's Toms or tore up tissue paper or toilet paper or gotten into something and you walk in and it's a mess. And as soon as we walk in, tail between the legs and head bowed, Walter comes inching our way. And then he goes, huh. Right? (laughs) Why am I getting weepy over my dumb dog? He knew he did wrong. And then he rolled over in submission. Oh! Whoever knew that would preach. Right? We can approach the throne. We don't have to inch and bow and coward. But we come and we know we've done wrong. And then we give ourselves into full submission to the Father and the work and the correction that he wants to do in us. And so this is the functional time where we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to show us. We put that scripture back up, Psalm 139 Search me, O God. And I'm going to give you guys some time to allow the Holy Spirit to search you. And then after we do that, I'm just going to pray and speak and proclaim the truth. Right? I might even call it prophecy. That means speaking forth the heart and the mind of God. And, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to show me God's heart for you where you are. And I'm going to speak that. And we're going to combat the guilt and the shame and all these things that rise up within us when we know that we've sinned. And not only that, then we're going to commit again ourselves and say, yes, Lord, purify me and cleanse me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. Help me to walk by the Spirit so that I don't gratify the desires of the flesh. And that means that you're saying, by faith, I'm going to listen to the Spirit in me. And maybe you feel like maybe you've never heard the Holy Spirit before. We're going to pray that you hear the Holy Spirit. But there's times where the Spirit says, don't do that. And I do it anyway. Right? So we're going to have this time where we come to the Father. I'm going to pray Psalm 139 over you. And in this time, you allow the Father to speak to you where you are. As you come into agreement with this and say, yes, God, search me. And allow him to show you the places that he wants to make pure. Amen? So, Father, we pray right now in this time that you would search us, God. Maybe people would, where they are, say to you, search me, O God. Search me, God. Father, we want us to know, you. we want you to know our hearts. We want you to test us and to know our anxious thoughts. Father, we desire that you point out anything in us that offends you God, we ask that you lead us along the path of everlasting life, and we thank you that you will do that because you love us enough to do so. So, Holy Spirit, I pray in this time you impress upon people's hearts and minds things that they need to see about themselves, that you want to show them where you desire to bring cleansing and purity. And so, Father, we just thank you that we already know We already know when scripture says it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart that when that judgment comes, it's not a judgment unto death, but a judgment unto life because we are under the covering of Christ. So we already know the things that you show us. We already know that we're not guilty by the blood of the lamb, but you desire to purify that out of us, God. So in this time, Lord, speak to your people, search their hearts, God, and show them anything that offends you, Father. I pray that if there's anybody in this room that in their heart would say, I don't know that I've ever heard the voice of God or ever experienced the spirit showing me anything, that you would open deaf ears and that you would give hearts of flesh where there's hearts of stone. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. And so we trust that when you speak, we hear and we listen. And it may not be with our physical ears that we hear, but it's just something deep within us that comes up and we know that it's you, Father. So I pray that you do that work in people this morning. So Father, as we have these things that you've shown us, we've said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Show me anxious thoughts. Show me ways that offend you, God. And you've shown us. We know that we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, and he didn't sin. So, Jesus, I thank you that you are our advocate, our. Advocate who empathizes and sympathizes with our weakness. And so, Father, we boldly approach your throne of grace confidently in Christ under his blood sacrifice so that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So, Father, I pray that you dispense mercy and grace into people's hearts right now, God. There's forgiveness. There's no room for shame or guilt. At that place of grace, we find praise and we find worship because we say, "Thank you, God, that you've applied mercy and grace. You've you've administered that. You've dispensed grace and mercy to us in our time of need, God. And you're good for doing that. Thank you, God, that you desire to bring us to these places over and over again where we." lay ourselves out bare before you. All of our thoughts, all of our anxieties, all of our fears and our doubts and all of our sin, our guilt and our shame, we lay it out to you and you see it and you don't reject us. And so Lord, I pray that right now you would dispense truth Of who we are because of Christ. And so, Lord, give us a dose of identity and give us a dose of reality and allow in our hearts and our minds a a breaking away from lies of the enemy and deceit and strongholds that would cause us to believe otherwise. You are beautiful. Children of God, you are beloved by the Father. The creator of the universe loves you so deeply and so dearly. He sees each and every one of you and he calls you by name and he knows the amount of hair on your head and he's taken every tear that you've ever cried and he's kept it. He says, you are my dearly beloved child and I'm pleased with you. You're beautiful, <laughs> you're loved, you're beloved. You are my special possession and I rejoice over you, he says. I see your faults and your flaws. I see the things that have kept you entangled and have held you in bondage for so long. Though behold, I break the chains of bondage. And I set the captives free. And I give joy where there's mourning. And I exalt those who are humbled. And so today you are exalted in Christ Jesus because of your humility to bring yourself to me, open. I feel like the Lord just
1: wants me to share saying something very specific and that is you are not these sins. You are not who they are. That is not who you are. It may be what you do, but it isn't who you are. If you are living for Jesus and uh, you are se- you deal with sexual immorality that that doesn't mean that's who you are. And I've sat in a service just like this before. And I have refused to talk to God about my sin because I tell myself, it's who I am. Uh, I'm going to do it tomorrow and I'm going to do it the next day. But his sacrifice for you is enough that if you do it tomorrow and you do it the next day, you continue to confess that and you continue to give it to him. It isn't who you are. There, he doesn't give shame to his people. You know, my kids do wrong things and they get punished for them, but it doesn't change who they are. They're my children, and I love them just as much. When they're standing in the corner, I might be I might be disappointed at times, but they're still mine, and I'm still going to do anything I can for them. And you. Your identity, Jason just touched on that right at the end. Your identity is not those sins. Your identity is as his child. He bought you. He paid for you. And those sins do not separate you from him. It it, it doesn't keep you from him. Just get rid of them and live your life who he created you to be, which is his child.
0: Thank you. Did you guys get some business done? Yeah. You know, I... (sighs) My flesh tells me you're beating a dead horse, Jason. (laughs) But the heart of the Father says, I want freedom for you. There is a freedom to be had in Christ Jesus. And as long as, for whatever reason, we continue to remain unfree, <laughs> bound. The Father's going to use his people. He's going to use his scripture. He's going to use his spirit. He's going to use the body of Christ. He's going to use everything in his disposal <laughs> to woo you to himself and away from that place of bondage. And I just declare this place as a place of freedom the work that he desires to do in us will be done. And we will continue to seek the heart and the mind and the face of God to bring us to these places where we're saying, Lord, we need the freedom. We need the freedom. We need the freedom. We need the freedom. Because I believe when we hit that place of freedom, when the words on the screen say, we're gonna shout for joy, we're gonna shout for joy. We're not going to be able to hold ourselves back or contain ourselves because we're going to say, yes, the Lord is good. Amen. Amen He's good. And So thank you for allowing, for being here and allowing me to spend this time speaking to you. I pray that the father has spoken to you and met you where you are. And again, remember, just like Connie said, daily we can come to this place. You don't need the piano. You don't need the, the high ceilings and the, the guy who uses his hands too much. <laughs> you can do that and we're going to continue again this, this is disciple community teaching them to obey we want to teach you to obey not just in this place but as you leave as well It's the best thing we can do for you is prepare you to, out, to go out there because we know out there this is where you need that is where you need this the most and you can get this out there in your relationship with the Father. Amen.